Hi guys and welcome back. We are on episode two of season four. And as we discussed already, this season is all about reconnecting with people around the world, hearing the stories and, and what's been obviously a very difficult time, but also hearing some really positive outlooks and, and how some people have adapted and changed. And it's really good to reconnect. And this time we are landing in Barcelona, talking to the talented Mo Ajaf of Two Schmucks Bar, which is listed in the world's best bars. And they've also uh, opened two sites now. I believe, uh, all in the Raval neighborhood, very close to each other. So they're part of a re regeneration of a great old area of Barcelona. It's a great neighborhood, um, lots of character. And uh, his story's really interesting. It's great to talk to and hear something positive and reconnecting with somebody. And also a really good use of, they lose media really, really well. That's a really good example of how social media can be a real positive impact on a business and on, on people in an industry. So uh, it was really great to, to have him on. He took time out and sitting in sunny Barcelona as I was speaking to him, he was a little bit jealous. So really good episode and, and I hope you enjoy this one. Moa Jaff of Barcelona. Firstly, I'd just like to say that this series and this podcast is brought to you in association with LWC, the UK's largest independent drink supplier, fantastic portfolio, serving over 13,500 on-trade suppliers, and most importantly, seven days delivery. They've been an ally of my company, GSG Hospitality, for a number of years. Hi guys, welcome back to In The Weeds podcast. Obviously, last week we went to Stockholm. We are now, I wanted to kind of get around the world a little bit, and I'm joined by Mo Aljaf. A schmuck, one of the, well, the owner of Two Schmucks in Barcelona. How's, how are you doing, man? Good. Like mentioned earlier today, we just got the news that our bars and restaurants here in Barcelona can finally open until 10 p.m. or 11 p.m., at least for dinner service, starting May 10th. And, you know, it's been a ride. It's been a ride from having to close all the places to the government cutting the funding and telling us that we can only be open until 5 p.m., which means that us as like known for this crazy night bar doing things late into the night. Here's how I feel about this. It was, it was crazy. It was a lot to learn. We did a lot of mistakes, but I feel that we finally had a place where we're doing it well. We just got some good reviews and some magazines about our brunch and the place has been incredibly busy ever since. And I feel that with equipped with this knowledge as we go into the, now that we can open at nighttime, we'll now have a set of regulars and clientele for both daytime and nighttime. So if anything, it made us become better at what we do. However, it finally feels like we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. It finally feels like, yes, it's loosening. We can finally start opening stuff again. And it absolutely doesn't feel like we're going to go into another lockdown after this. It feels like, you know, this is it. Yeah, man, I, I don't think they can do that. I think everyone's had enough. But yeah, it's, I think, yeah. Those, look, man, I think good things can come of it, can't you? I think what we see in the UK, I see you're outside there already and it looks great. <laughs> but like everyone's, yeah. out, everyone's outside in the UK and all the councils yeah. are like, wow. And I said, well, you should have done this anyway. It used to be hard. Yeah. 10 years ago, they wouldn't even let us put a bench outside. And you're like, why? No, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. So, so. The same, dude. The same for us. We're on the street. Like Barcelona are so strict with their terraces. Because also, when you own a bar or a bar license here, it increases in value like 50 to 100%. If you have a terrorist attached to it. Right. So it was it was a massive game with the government and we're on a very, very tight, like one of these gothic Barcelona streets. Mm -hmm. And most of the bars on our streets now have like small little tables and terraces outside. 
it's amazing. It's, it's how this city should have been. And someone along the way decided that, no, we're not going to put tables outside. But it just adds to how beautiful the streets are now. And everyone is making their own terrace, kind of with their own personality. So you walk around in these tiny streets and you see all these different random terraces. It's absolutely amazing. And again, I agree. It's, they should have done this all along. Uh, yeah, man, absolutely. So for, let's just go back a little bit. Let's um, explain to the listeners exactly who you are. Obviously, Two Schmucks has got a massive reputation now. Tell, tell how, it, how, it, how it came about. Well, my story, long story short, is basically <laughs> I've been bartending since, you know, since I started my life, since 1819. And in the beginning, I used bartending to travel around with it. I bartended in Amsterdam, in Ibiza, in India, in Thailand. And I would just travel around and I would work and live wherever I could. And at one point, I moved to Norway. And I thought, you know, at 25 years of age that I knew everything there was to know about bartending. But I had never made a single cocktail in my life. <laughs> and so in Norway, I got a job at a cocktail bar. And I was part of the opening team as a junior. And I learned how to bartend and or I learned how to make cocktails in that bar. And there was like this window into this new world. It was like, wow, there's also all of this that's also the first time I learned that there was such a thing as the industry that people got together and you know exchanged IDs and stuff I had no idea it was like it was the first time I understood that you know we had pairs around the world I then I then started kind of I joined a cocktail competition Bacardi Legacy which you know has a big marketing aspect to it and it was the first time anyone really kind of gave me a bit of a budget and said go and do your own IDs because if you get to the finals in your country they give you like you know one or two grand and they tell you yeah. that you can do your own marketing ids and that felt amazing that felt amazing so after that we were like all right we're doing our own thing so me and my partner we moved from norway down to barcelona as expats not speaking spanish and we decided that screw it we want to open this bar in the beginning we only created as a pop-up concept and so we wanted something that was incredibly self-aware we wanted to create a brand that was 100 us where we could just wake up and that's it we were our own brand simply by just waking up not doing anything else yeah. um and so you know two schmucks became the thing i was watching a lot of kirby enthusiasm and so <laughs> i think that's why it became two schmucks but also schmuck felt like the perfect balance like we were thinking about you know whatever misfits degenerates all these kind of things but we knew that schmucks was the perfect kind of it felt right and this pop-up tour became more successful than, than we thought it would be and then on the back of that we decided to open up a bar and we did so still we didn't have a lot of people that believed in what we were doing yet so we joined up with a third partner you know by our straps we got a license in barcelona on the fucking with you know a lot of determination a lot of luck you know, we had to go out and knock on doors basically yeah and ask people if they wanted to sell and we did that for several months but by the time we had gotten our license we had basically run out of all our money you know there was no budget there was no investors there was nothing like that so we had we scraped to get around two grand and so that's what we had as a budget to build our first bar for to you know start selling booze and all that kind of stuff and that's and, a, uh, it's in Ravel, right? Ravel. Yeah, that's in the that's yeah. in the Ravel neighborhood of Barcelona. Yeah. And that was in 2017 in July. So the, our idea was that we'll make enough money and then we'll do the renovation because we couldn't renovate the place yet. And we had only occupied, you know, 25% of the capacity because we couldn't renovate it. So again, the bar did a lot better than we thought that it would do. A lot of people, you know, listened to our story and kind of came to the bar for that. And we controlled what we could control. We did, we did as much as we could for the service and for the cocktails. But you know, there was still water dripping from the roof. The chairs were still uneven. 
out of that, you know, a lot of people ask us what our concept was, and uh, that question used to kind of make me like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a bar. What do you mean concept? But out of that, over time, like, we kind of had a bar first and then developed the concept, right? Then developing a concept to add to the bar. We came up with, you know, what, what the bar was, which was the five-star dive bar. Yeah. It was, you know, like we tried to do products and services as you'd get in any of these amazing establishment, but we do it in an environment that felt, you know, all welcome in kind of this dive bar environment. And then in 2019, we raised up enough money to do a renovation. As most bar owners know, it's never enough when you renovate bars. And obviously we ran out of the money as well, but <laughs> we, we kind of succeeded in kind of creating this new two schmucks and we built that bar to where it is today we the bar became successful with regulars the bar became successful with our pairs award wise we got into the 50 best so yeah. that felt like an amazing accomplishment and yeah over the last year we managed to uh, secure a second location with a terrace on the same street and uh, we were just about to do the new concept there before we went into these crazy rules where you know, we could only open at daytime and, you know, only people, we could only accommodate people outdoors. So we decided to move the two schmucks, its concept and our staff from two schmucks to the new site just temporarily while, while these rules are in effect with the idea of moving them back and launching the new concept whenever all these rules would loosen up. What's the new concept entail? Well, the new concept where we're working on this place is basically to create a restaurant bar. And that wasn't the idea before these last six months. But over the last six months, the restaurant side of our of the venue has 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 done so and i would never thought in my life that i'd say that i own a restaurant because you know, <laughs> i was so i was so hardcore like nah bars is what i do i just don't yeah. lose but it happened by itself and yeah we haven't we haven't fully fully announced the name yet we will we will very soon but we're very excited about it and we're very excited about us being able to open at nighttime. And as an exclusive, just last week, we signed the contract for a third venue and location. Okay. Still on the same street. Oh, you're going to take the street over? And it's still in the same neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the idea is that I've lived on the street now because I have an apartment on the street as well. Yeah, and I've yeah, lived yeah. on it for the last for the last five years almost. And I know that, you know, the bars on the street have all been amazing. And I know that our street doesn't is not missing people. Like when 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 we would be busy, every other bar on the street would also be busy. There's just so much people here and there's so yeah. much it's 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 been such known as a as as a bar. And we've gotten to know all these other bars and all these other venues. So when all of this happened and they kind of reached out and said, All right, well, you know, we're thinking of this this last venue we took, for example, it belonged to a guy who'd been there for twenty five years and he was just looking to retire and buy a house in the countryside and so on. Mm -hmm. And so he approached us and asked us if we wanted it and we were like, Yeah, hell yeah, we want it. So the idea is that we want to create this bar street like concept on the street of having these street concepts where the shifts from daytime to nighttime. Whether yeah. you're on the terrace with your laptop and a coffee, whether you go in for a bit more kind of high up cocktails at two schmucks, or this third venue is going to focus more on like live music, karaoke, yeah. beers, whiskeys, kind of places where we would like to go and drink in after work. Well, that, I mean, that's great. I mean, it's great that you're putting so much back into the Raval as well, because if like for anyone who doesn't like, before maybe 5, 10, 15 years ago, 
mate, that the place was like you just wouldn't go near it. It was it was pretty dangerous. No, no absolutely, and I and I and I agree. But we knew and we saw with the first bar that we came in that sure. you, you know there's a lot to this neighborhood. And over the last year, a lot has changed in the neighborhood. There's so much more kind of there's such a diverse community here living here now. There's still a lot of locals. There's still a lot of like the people, the massive communities from from the Philippines, from Pakistan, from Northern Africa. But then you have all these kind of young creatives and a lot of uh, massive diverse community living here, and we feel that Joaquin Costa has been known as a bar street for 20 years, but yeah. it's always been known as the bar street where it's this dirty, you know, shit alcohol, three euro mojitos kind of bar street. And so we felt that, okay, well, our mission now is to continue and evolve this bar street for people to kind of understand and respect its drink program and its food program. So understand that Joaquin Costa is still a bar street, but it's a bar street that has evolved in terms of food and drink. Yeah. And it's evolved in the food and drink offerings that it's doing. And we felt because we know this neighborhood so well, we understand it to a point of like, all right, we want to reinvest all our time and effort into the street and we want to create something here and we want to be a part of it. We know we want to be a part of its evolution. We don't want to just, all right, we got some money now. Let's go and open a place in the fancy part of town where people have a lot of money. For me, I was like, nah, fuck that. Yeah, man. Let's, 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 let's double down on what we got here. That's commendable, man. Uh, that's cool. I, I I really like it. It's a great area. It's always had that like yeah. potential. You know, it's it's yeah. The streets are cool. Tell me, you know, like when so the similar when we when we did our first bar like ten years ago, like the part where we are now in Liverpool, that was it was like pretty much derelict. Now it's really yeah. busy with it. This was before social media. Now you use social yeah. media really well as a part of your brand, right? So like, yeah. you know, I know you you documented the new bar as well, didn't you? How you were going with it. Like some of the exactly, shit we exactly. did, like, you know, like, you know, you do yourself. I, I, I wish the social media was there when we had it, you know, because even yeah. 10 years ago, we didn't have it. And, and there was so much stuff that people didn't see. And people seemed yeah. Re- yeah, yeah. really, really invested in, in your story then. I think that helps, man. But you, how do you feel about it? All the, obviously you use it a lot. hundred percent, man. I learned. I learned early on that, you know, documenting things, whatever it is through social media is so much more, you know, you give someone like social media has become this thing that's free for everyone right now. Right. And now we're like, all right, so we kind of exchanging time and follows, right? Because yeah. now it's kind of like, I'm not going to follow you unless I want to give you some of my time and, and like see your contact. And so it's become this value exchange, sure. uh, in my opinion, where even if this is for free, you still need to give people value, which is crazy if you would have said that. <laughs> 20 yeah. years ago that you guys do stuff for people for free and still you want to give them value but sure. you'll eventually get it paid back to you in the form that you'll get a big following and big people that understand what you're doing and I learned that the easiest and fastest and most genuine way to give people value is to be incredibly transparent and document the journey yeah. and kind of like you know make it, making an amazing cocktail photo is great and all but giving the people the how-to and the behind the scenes when you're in the prep room makes people instead of just liking your stuff kind of following and understanding your journey and we realized early on that the more people we told our story they kind of started telling people other people our story and the worth of mind just kind of worked for us so we took that to heart and we used it with everything and you know that's that's all we could do in the beginning when we started all i had was the phone and so i was like all right so whatever it is you know rather than talking about how well the bar did i would speak about you know when we got when the electrics went out because we didn't pay our bill and it went out on saturday at midnight and we just lost a bunch of money you know so i would speak about that kind of stuff and it would it would be i feel that it would be a bit more genuine and people would just respond to that also whenever it's like when people ask us 
<clears throat> how much did you buy that for? Or how much did you spend that on? I was always super transparent when it came to that kind of stuff. I, I've never had this thing where I was like, oh, I don't want to speak about the money or how much things cost or whatever. Because I felt that no one told that to us. And I was yeah, like, I'm yeah. just I'm just going to say it. I, I just don't feel, I just don't understand why that's a thing that people want to keep a secret. Another thing that kind of triggered that in me was that in like 2013 or something, 14, I saw the Hey Bartender documentary. I don't know if you've seen it. And I remember that sparked something in me, but I remember when Steve and Dushan and them were speaking about employees only and how they did it. And they had some content of them, you know, being in the basement and digging the floor. They had like a couple of yeah. photos and so. And I remember looking at that. And I remember thinking that, you know, that's amazing for them to have been able to document that. Definitely. And that kind of hit home with me. And so when we were going to start it, I was like, all right, I want to document as much as we can. And sometimes we miss it a lot because it's so busy with work and so, but we still try to document as much as possible. Yeah, man, definitely. I remember like we were saying about John before, we had like times when we, we, we did the roof. Our place was fucked. Like it was in a bad yeah. way. But I always had like black yeah. stuff coming out my nose for like three months, man. But I, <laughs> what I mean, I just like, I look at the thing, oh man, I just, we just missed the boat on that. But it's great to see. Yeah. I, I like it because we don't yeah. love to tell, we have to tell it in like a story form. I get sometimes yeah. you get born, you're like, oh yeah, man, well, we did this. But it's just great now that you've got this tool where, People yeah. are always, if they are interested, you know, because they otherwise, 100%. It, you know, and it, and it breaks down the barriers, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, man, yeah. you're all in it together. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, I mean, let's let's face it, the ultimate goal, not for everyone, but for most barista chefs and bartenders, yeah. is to eventually open their own place. Sure. And if you can just document how you're opening your own place to them, it's kind of like, it just kind of takes, uh, you, like, you're basically giving them value and you're giving them a reason to be a part of your community yeah. and to be a part of, you know, the people. And then, you know, in the years that we've done all of this, we haven't used, for example, any specific PR companies. So we haven't used any specific that, but it's been always like people have told other people about our story because we've managed to tell them the story so well over social media. And I think that nowadays it's even easier because now you don't even require posts anymore. You can tell stories through like Instagram stories yeah. and you can tell it so well, you can tell it in these 10 second segments that you create easy on your phone yeah. and the younger generation are like wizards with this we got this one guy working for us now as a barista he's called David he's like 22 years old I'm like dumbfounded by the way he does stories I'm like you do it so well and so fast like yeah. he understands the tool so much better than me <laughs> I'm like holy fuck you know the, like he, he just knows hasn't had any interest for it or any whatever but he just understands the basics of video editing yeah. without having spent any time trying to learn it or whatever it has just come with this generation that for you to understand social media you understand basic video editing and i was like all right well that's just absolutely crazy for me that's mad and it's true though it's yeah. so true like but it, I mean, it was yeah, yeah. like, there's a lot of problems with social media, isn't it? With, with like, you know, I don't know, like all the other things, but for this, it's great. I think it's great, man. I think, yeah, I think, yeah. I think, I think it's like a language and yeah. you know, the more it comes out, the more you understand the language, the more you understand the platform, the more you can speak this language. Yeah. And, and we're like adults trying to learn a new language, mm. which is harder. Yeah, it is. And they're like, and they're like, you know, kids growing up with the language We'll just learn it automatically. Yeah, and I think yeah. and I think that's the difference. You know, the older yeah. you, 
like the older you are, the harder it is to learn this language, but it's kind of like, yeah. well, if you want to speak with these people, well, you need to learn the language. If you want to speak with Spanish people, well, you better learn Spanish. You sure. know? So it's, it's, it's kind of, it makes sense. It does, man. It's because I see like my, my girls are three years old and they got the thing, but they all they they know this, they know this shape, yeah. they know what it is, yeah. they know how to use it. Yeah. You can take photos yeah. of me at, at two. Yeah. I'm like, what? How? You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but, yeah. but the other That's thing crazy. that, like, you know, like you said, it's like, the independent, like for me, I'd love like independence everywhere, all over the cities, you know, but I'm like, yeah, I think it shows people, you know, there's no, there's, you know, everyone can have a go, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be this yeah. elitist, untouchable thing that, uh, you know, no. uh, is inaccessible. No. And that that's the good no, thing. No. It, it democratizes it, and that, which is good. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'd go so far to say that, like, you know, if you look at the biggest brands and now this is a crazy example, but if you look yeah. at the biggest brands like Coca-Cola or whatever, when we were kids, there's no way you could write anything about Coca-Cola and they would reply to you. But even them are trying to kind of bring themselves down and do stories and reply to people on Twitter and kind yeah. of, you know, they're hiring these comedians to kind of do these funny tweets and things like that. Because yeah. even them are trying to come down because I'm pretty sure their marketing people also understands that documentation and more real stuff sure, yeah. is basically what is speaking to people more than ever. Like it feels that there's so much out there right now. So mm. our, our kind of bullshit radars have spiked through the roof yeah. and anything that's not real, like recorded on someone's phone, feels a bit like the creation and it feels a bit like, all right, well, you know, I don't know if I want to spend my time here, but you look at 15 second stories and people can inhale a couple of hundred of them a day. Yeah. But they won't look at like, you know, a five minute commercial piece or a five minute piece that you've done. Yeah. So it feels that, you know, this real kind of human, like straightforward kind of talking, it feels that even the bigger companies, the more elite companies are starting to kind of slum it now as well and kind of come down and understand that, all right, what works is putting a face, having someone real. Like another thing that I've noticed is that movie trailers now start with the director or the actor talking for a couple of seconds before the trailer saying, hey guys, how are you doing? I just want to present my trailer. And I'm like, huh. Yeah, that's right. the exact same thing that's them trying to humanize it trying to put a face behind it yeah trying to kind of speak with the people on that level and i was like i think that's where it's kind of moving yeah so you yeah, may I, I completely agree it's interesting because it's all part like we say like you know the journey used to start at the front door you know at, the, yeah. at, at wherever now it starts way before that man you've already selling yeah before they come they've sold the story yeah. before they come so they want that story yeah. and then experience it you know what i mean it's 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 interesting yeah yeah psychology behind it is interesting man it really is the greatest thing the greatest thing is that sometimes like we i used to do this joke on our instagram stories every time i caught our head bartender every time yeah. i caught us scrolling on the phone i would do a story with the tagline kind of tinder palm is at it again <laughs> and i would just joke that you know she's on tinder all the time while she is at work while she's cleaning while she's doing yeah. this and then I'd, we'd have a couple of guests come in from the states they'd never meet they'd never met me they'd never met poem and they'd go like oh you're tender poem we've seen you yeah, and that nice. for me was like oh my god that's amazing that's the fact crazy. that you kind of started a relationship with guests before they even arrived at your venue and then by the like that's like half the job done like yeah. when they get to your venue getting to know them and getting to start a relationship that's something amazing and like doing that before they've even arrived yeah man that's just that's like Hell yes. <laughs> it's true. Just got to make sure the drinks are good then, eh? 
yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can even be forgiven if they're not. <laughs> but I, <laughs> they I like you a lot. They're like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, I know you've done obviously done quite a lot of collaborations with you know some mutual people we know, and it brings brings people together. People like to see that uh, the collaboration yeah. thing. And yeah, man, uh, it's good. Let, let, let me uh, let move on a little bit to Barcelona itself. So obviously, mm. I haven't been for a few years now, but uh, I went, uh, there was a time I was going like twice a year, maybe like five years yeah. before, before I had the kids, man. <laughs> but it's my, my I, like uh, the whole area, it's, my, it's one of my favorite in the world. So what, how have you, I mean, you must like living there, obviously, but is there any other like parts and areas that you, you, you like or you just like the whole sort of landscape? I love Barcelona for what it is. I think it's got such a great balance. My, my favorite thing in a city is, is cities where I can walk around in. Like I don't like places like Berlin or London or yeah. LA or things like that. I really like being able to walk around in cities. In terms of Barcelona, my favorite neighbor is definitely the Raval. But like over the last year, I've also not gotten out of my street. <laughs> because because now I'm not traveling as much. I used to travel yeah. maybe once a month uh, for an event or so, and now I'm like I'm just here. So I was like the other day I was like the other day I left the street and I was like wow this feels foreign to me. <laughs> I haven't been out of the streets for such a long time, but it's definitely amazing because it's such a diverse melting pot, and you know you have these crazy dive bars, piss-soaked alleys, and hustle and bustle for big city. But then if I put on my running shoes in 15 minutes, I can be by the beach running i can enjoy the craziness of the city but on any day off i can just clock out and you know mm. jump on the train for 20 minutes yeah and be somewhere with like a secluded beach completely quiet out of the whole thing that's kind of amazing because if you're in a place like let's say london you know it'll take you a whole day just to get out and so and so for me that that feels amazing that balance and every now and again when i'm tired of barcelona and i leave for a weekend i just come home and i I always feel that oh I'm happy I'm back I'm happy I'm back in the city kind of yeah but but fuck me I definitely need to travel I, I feel everyone's feeling a bit locked in in it but where where yeah. um where obviously apart from your your places in your area where what kind what bars do you what are your favorite places in the city at the moment I love the I like the Pueblo New area I think that's a pretty yeah. cool area it's kind of like our Brooklyn there's a lot of warehouses and there's a lot of cool projects happening in, these, in those warehouses yeah a lot of creatives that stay out there it's also an area bordering the beach I lived there for a little while I lived in a warehouse actually for a little while so okay. that time was actually pretty great I actually yeah. like that other than that I also like kind of there's this we have this area called Gracia yeah. which is this which is this other little old town area that's a bit more uptown I, I love Gracia I mean, it's, it's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I like that as well. Like walking around there, you know, kind of zigzagging the streets, zigzagging the bars. Yeah. That's also a nice little neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, but I would say those three areas definitely stand out for me. The Raval, Poblenu, and Gracia. What, what about any venues in particular? You know, Dry Martini. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Dry Martini caters to a certain clientele. It's not yeah. really my my cup of tea on the other side though I love Boada because I feel that both those bars are old school but I still feel that Boada's was the bar that was slumming it old school yeah Boada. when you walk into Boada's it's just this amazing vibe you go in there especially like you need to walk in there at daytime yeah. they got these color stained glasses and then they got La Rambla right outside so there's hundreds of people walking outside but all you see are these colored shadows yeah. and there's no music and there's this tuxedo bartender making you a martini or a negroni that will be yeah. off balance but still <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and 
And and it's just this amazing thing. It's you know, when people ask me about Martini and Boalas, I say that they like museums, you know, and you yeah. should not go there thinking that, you know, they'll put salt and you know, put their negronis over a big cube of ice or anything like that, because you're just being you know naive and you should go there with the idea that this is more like a museum. When you go into Boalas, you'll see a painting made in the seventies of, of of Boalas, and then you'll see a painting made by different artists in a completely different style from the fifties of Boalas, one from the the 30s one from the 80s and they all have a style of the 80s and the 70s and you'll see history and i like that a lot about those parts and i love taking people there when they come and visit it's the owner the she's always, it's always there the bar now yeah she passed away a few years oh. ago and so the guy who took over is still the guy who's been behind the same bar station for like 45 years right right okay that's cool. so it's it's all kind of like it's still amazing it's so old school and you know it's still a very very cool bar yeah technically Technically, Boadas is in the Raval. Technically, yeah, right. yeah, I mean yeah. they're on the Rambla, but everything on the right side of the Rambla is the yeah. Raval. And I do believe that their postcode is zero eight zero zero one, which is the Raval postcode. So you know, you know, we can claim that as a Raval joint. <laughs> I think so. I think you're right. Right, the, it's yeah. right at the top on the right in it. If anyone wants yeah, to know yeah. where it is, exactly. Does the one in uh, Plat de Real still there? You know, the little way you used to knock on the. Uh, do you know that one? Yeah, that one is still there, but it's just not as cool anymore. No, because everyone because knows it. Basically. No, 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 no. Not even that. E- even if everyone had known it, but they got bought up by. Well, they shut down and they said that they had some massive problems with the owners or someone was scamming some money or something. Oh, right. And then ownership changed. And then when they opened, it was like a completely branded, let's smoke cocktails and have, right. you know, the whole room furnitured in kind of Hendrix merchandise or whatever brand would kind of give us money or pay us. And, you know, they, they, they had this amazing stage where they would do live music, live jazz and so and instead they put a projector on that stage and would play like music like Justin Bieber music videos so it was still it was still the only bar that would be open after 3am so it would still be an industry bar because if you'd work in a bar in Barcelona you'd work until 3am and there would be no place where you could go and drink that wasn't a club if it wasn't this bar this was the only bar that was open until 5-6am but yeah it just became shit (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's not that doesn't yeah. sound good man that's a shame yeah that's a shame so yeah and in regards to like the drink scene at the minute over there you know like you like you said before maybe the old school mentality of the drinks how they used to be obviously it's changed a lot but what's kind of on trend at the moment you're finding obviously you've had to diversify yeah. through other things yeah i mean i mean i think that you know there's all places in Alborn that are doing amazing stuff the guys from crystal born they're now running three venues on that yeah, street they do a lot of cool stuff there's this part really cool you know haven't been able to open since the pandemic because it's such like a small little dark nighttime bar but they were doing amazing stuff before we closed down it's called Marlowe okay. uh, they were doing awesome stuff there's the guys from Paradiso that are always you know all their businesses are doing really really well and a lot of people are into that so there's a lot of stuff going on the edition just opened with their punch room Kind of, they, they opened around a year and a half ago. I feel that hotel bars isn't really a massive thing here. No. But, you know, the addition did quite well. And Soho House, I mean, Soho House is trying to do their thing, but Soho House came with, the, with their IDs from London, but they had, I feel that like they just had bad execution in their bar in Barcelona. I've been to their bars in London and they're all right. It's very straightforward. 
right? Yeah. Super simple twists on classic cocktails in, in their environment. They kind of neg neglected a few things when they came to Barcelona, though. But yeah, it feels that there's, there's change in there. There's a lot of cool things happening. And I mean, we feel happy to be a part of it. We feel happy to be a part of that change and to be a part of the change in the Raval because that's basically, that's an area where we've invested all our time and money into. How, how is your Spanish now, by the way? Can you speak Spanish now? Is that right? No. No. <laughs> I kind of, when people ask me how long I've lived here now, I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to say. Yeah. Because Wait, I mean, like, yeah, I'll speak with a Spanish person and I'll be like, oh, sorry, my Spanish isn't that well. And the second question will be, oh, okay, how long have you lived here? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, if I tell this person that I've been here for five years, I'm just going to get laughs right out. So yeah. <laughs> like, and, and you would think, you would think that I would have all the time in the world during the lockdown to learn, you know, other things were important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, it's, it's so easy to speak English in Barcelona, though, if you can. It's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Like you said, yeah. Especially, especially in the Raval, especially in the Raval. Yeah, man. Sure, sure. So yeah. also, you know, we, you're talking a bit about missing traveling. Where are you, where, yeah. where are you, where are you going to be heading to? Honestly, or, or honestly, the main thing I miss the most is Southeast Asia. Oh, like yeah. I used to live in Thailand and I lived in, and I lived in India and that, that would be my, you know, that would be my sanity. Like once a year or once every 18 months would be to go there and to switch off. And I just haven't been able to do that since now, since 2019. So I'm just kind of feeling it being like, you know, I go and eat at an Indian restaurants here or the Thai place and I'm just like, it's kind of itching in my skin. Like I just <laughs> need to go out there or I see a story from someone that runs a bar in Thailand and I see them being on the streets in like Bangkok and I'm like, oh man, I want to be there so bad. So I think that as soon as the traveling over, I really, really want to go to Southeast Asia and that will hopefully cure my itch for a while. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And what, you know, you said, so obviously you are saying before that you just about, you've just been told can reopen them a night now the, yes how is how is the city itself so if i came to visit visit barcelona now what kind of state is it in like the city itself is just open people on the streets everywhere beaches are full people all over the streets like Joaquin costa never changed yeah that that shit just went on the only thing is that we have a we're in a state of emergency until may 9th that's why we're open at night at night time on may 10th Right. And uh, the state of emergency issued a curfew, a 10 p.m. curfew. So that's been a little bit weird. But, you know, two weeks into the curfew, the curfew started in November. And two weeks into the curfew, you know, you learn to go to bed at, you know, midnight and wake mm -hmm. up at 8 a.m. Yeah. And, you know, you learn to be tired by 11 p.m. Because if you didn't, you'd be you'd be missing out half of your day. And after that, only being open at daytime, we now open our venue from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. We kind of just get in this rhythm where we're not out after 10 p.m. anyway. But it still feels weird that you get fined if you're out after 10 p.m. I think after May 10, the city will feel incredibly normal. I think they'll push back the curfew until midnight. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's 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 kind of better that we ease our way into it, you know. I don't see it as being like fully closed and then fully open to three AM at one time. I think that will go absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 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 you know, I'm not I'm not that much against these stages that you know, first we open to five PM and then we open to ten PM, then we open to midnight or one PM. It also, you know, it's also good for our business to slowly kind of hire people and allocate it step yeah. by step. Yeah, man, definitely. I mean that's a killer that ten PM for especially in Spain you know they did uh, here they did like you've got to have a substantial meal with a drink at one point <laughs> they don't do that there no, no that was the <laughs> craziest <laughs> thing ever people order yeah, yeah 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 
Yeah, yeah, I remember that. All right, well, I, I want to have five bags of crisps with my Guinness. Can I have that? <laughs> crazy. Uh, five I don't know. bags ought to be a substantial meal. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Well, McCoyle, so one thing, one thing I ask all my guests, and, and the, obviously the podcast is called, we know the term as being in hospitality, as being the shit, so to speak. So it can get you through adversities. Any, any sort of things that stick in your mind that maybe one or two incidents or or things in your life that have maybe become something that have profound who you are i mean i think everything <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> i think yeah. that uh, I, I think that our entire style has been built on limitations and throughout those limitations we've just had to be incredibly creative from not being funded enough from getting to the point where we're finally on our feet just to be blown back to this pandemic it's just been kind of blow after blow after blow but it's kind of the conditions that we've been forged under that will make everything after this easy you know as soon as we can open all of this, it, it will just be like now we've kind of our place is packed now at daytime on the weekends. We have a restaurant that's packed at daytime on the weekends. And if you'd approach me saying that only six months ago or 12 months ago, I'd be like, get out of here. And knowing that, all right, we already know the nighttime, we already fill our bars at nighttime, and now we have this daytime thing. So again, we've taken this limitation and we've kind of made it work into our favor. I feel that, you know. It sucks in the moment. And, you know, I've always wanted to complain and bitch about it and be like, fuck you, this is bullshit. But in hindsight, always in hindsight, I feel that, man, you know, not, not being able to fund, you know, our bar and our PR company made us create this concept that became unique to us. Not being able to fund PR made us create incredibly unique brand that a lot of people have responded to. Not being able to serve at nighttime has made us sharp as fuck at daytime and lunch and brunch and cocktails. So I think being in the weeds is an incredibly good thing to to, to do you know you 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 ought to have these challenges and yeah as of as of right now our mentality to it is to always embrace it as much as in the moment it, i will still get these thoughts of like fuck this this is bullshit why are we doing this but then i'll always look back at it like all right that was good <laughs> uh, yeah, man. it's good that we did that that's true that's in life and so and, you know, finally, have you got any, that's it, that was positive enough as it was, but any positive words from you particularly out to the audience, what are you thinking? Always don't be a dick, be a schmuck. <laughs> um, I'd say, I'd say if anything, kind of have a look around at what this time has made with, you know, your peers and your people around you and see how creativity and effort that has come out of it and kind of understand that, you know, I think at the end of the day, one thing that I'm realizing more and more is that most cocktail bartenders are bar owners. They're really, as cliche as it sounds, they're really a bit closer to kind of creators and artists. And all we really want to do is create stuff. And so when someone tells us that we can't create a bar, an atmosphere, we just go out and try to create other stuff. We try to create yeah, man. merchandise. We try to create takeaway cocktails. We always try to create. And I think just looking at that fills us as well with a lot of inspiration and positivity that like, like, all right, we'll just keep on pushing on to do our thing, you know, whatever way we can. Yeah, that, uh, wise words, man. Wise words. So, a couple of questions for you. 
before we, yeah. before we wrap it up. Oh, yeah. Favourite bar? Around the world? Yeah. My favourite bar around the world? That's a tough question. Now, oh, damn it. I'm drawing a blank. I mean, there's so much. There's so much to choose from. Damn, I know. The Alibi, New Orleans. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll come back to that. I'll, I'll, put, you, I'll that. put you I'm on the spot. Yeah, yeah. You can come back to me oh, whenever yeah. on that. I'll put it in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, some favourite places, Southeast Asia, yeah? Yeah, favourite place, Southeast Asia. Definitely Bangkok. Bangkok is one of my favourite places. Um, yeah. Followed by a close Delhi. You're all right, man. Okay. Favourite drink? There have to be a mojito at daytime, a bear and a shot at nighttime. That's it. I like that. All right, yeah. man. Uh, well, listen, and anything else you want to go through or you wanted to say? Uh, or anything? No, it feels like we covered a, a pretty good thing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, for anyone that's still listening. Thank you, homies. And yeah, as soon as hopefully from June 30th, all of you guys from the UK can finally, you know, travel as tourists. I've heard. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and yeah and and as soon as that happens we're here for you guys yeah. come visit come say hi come get wasted well yeah. I'll, I, you know what man thank you very much for coming on uh, obviously looks like a beautiful day over there it absolutely is I was actually thinking I'm way too hard in this hoodie <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely are go get some layers off so thanks for joining us man and and and, and hopefully we'll catch up when first first on my yeah. nice Barcelona I think for sure thank you so much man dude thank you for having me on well thanks for listening guys and I tell you now I'm really looking forward to getting back to Barcelona as soon as possible so next week we are heading to another of my favourite cities I think Barcelona and Copenhagen are the two of the best in the world so yeah Copenhagen where I'm speaking to great guys who've just opened pub bar in the Norabu neighbourhood God knows if, it's, if I'm saying that right I've been on the scene in, in Copenhagen for a long time it's a really good interesting chat of how Copenhagen's developed especially over the last 10 to 15 years to become mecca of hospitality you know some of the best food and bars in the world so look forward to that one that's going to be in two weeks time uh, this season I think we're looking at fortnightly episodes due to a very busy period and trying to get hospitality back on its feet so stay safe and stay kind and enjoy 